Informative. Educational. Objective. Inclusive. Comprehensive. This is Progress Report. Updates and conversations from the Government Information Service. Good day and welcome to another episode of Progress Report. Updates and conversation from the Government Information Service. My name is Ivan Connor, my lovely co-host, Glenniva Hodge. And today with us, we have the Honorable Minister of Social Development and Education. That's your title, but you wear so many hats. Because if we start to unbox what that role entails, we'll be here forever. And then our partnering stations that hear the show won't ever have another episode. They will drop you. They will drop us, yeah, because you do so much. So we have the Honorable Ms. Deanne Kentish Rogers here with us. It's been a long time coming. Um, I know you've had to been here on the show a while now. You've had some travels. Um, and then some more travels, mm-hmm. and then more travels. <laughs> it happens. There's a lot going on, so we're gonna unbox all of that stuff today. I like the word unboxing. You said you use it three times. Yeah, because <laughs> we all the boxing this approach. If we're being honest, um, again, thank everyone for listening. Um, we've gotten some positive feedback, if I may say this myself, about the recap show or okay. mid-season show. Um, folks have suggested some future guests. We have something very important coming up this week, and I'll say uh-huh. this now before we get into it. Definitely. You want to tell them? No, I'll let, I'll let you do it. Well, I want to let you do it. <laughs> okay, so coming up this week on Thursday, we're yes. going to have a very special episode of Progress Report. We're uh-huh. going to do our very first live episode of mm. Progress Report, and we're going to be looking at GST. Yes. We are going to have a panel of yes. persons. We're not going to be in our usual studio space no. um, recording. I think we're going to be... At the Ministry of Finance. Right. And so we have a really robust um, yes. panel of persons who will be on and really trying to get some answers for you, the public, about yes. what we can expect when GST is implemented. Yes. We're going to be looking at various aspects from the consumer to the mm-hmm. businesses what can you expect how do you in, how how will you be interacting yes. with GST yeah. and so I'm looking forward to that we are open for any questions from the public that myself and Ivan will be fielding to the yes. panel so tune in and it's not going to be at the usual time it's going to be live yeah, at 6 we're going to be live at 6 p.m. um we should we will definitely be live on Facebook. We're gonna partner with Radio and Go for Show and um, the other stations. I know some have may have a scheduling conflict because they have programs that are set that run at a particular time. But nevertheless we may probably utilize their Facebook pages and cross post it there. But it's gonna be everywhere because this is a hot button issue. There's a lot going on. This is the place that we're at and we need to get to the bottom of it. There's a lot of talk here and there and I think people just really want the nitty gritty of it so we're going to unbox GST unbox it again and we're going to see how we're all connected mm-hmm. interrelated mm-hmm. and mutually vulnerable to, to what has gotten us here and where we go from here um, and like the GST slogan say we're going to see how we're going to be growing sustainably together that being said we're going to get right into it um, I think I want to start, I know we want to look at education, we want to look at social development, um, we want to look at a number of things, but I want to touch on your travels, your recent travels. Mm-hmm. Um, as public relations officer for the government, I did not publish your, any press statement or release about your last, last uh, your last trip, <clears throat> simply because of where you went and what you did. Yes. Um, and I remember when you were traveling and we were messaging back and forth and I was like, okay, just keep your head down. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I think people would understand now where mm-hmm. you at least start with here before we go back to the other stuff with OECS uh-huh. and everything else. Uh-huh. Tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, so my last travels would have been to Israel. 
uh, I went as part of a study program that I had been doing for the entire year, a leadership program with the Atlantic Council, okay. which is a think tank based in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> so part of the, the challenge was to go to a place with high conflict, such as Israel, uh-huh. and we had to explore the issues within that city. So we went from uh, the Sea of Galilee up in the north down through Tel Aviv, um, into the West Bank, uh, past Jerusalem and into Jerusalem, down into the Negev, which is the desert, and um, to the border of Gaza, the Gaza Strip. So we, we did quite a lot of um, bus travel in quite contentious areas. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I have to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make light of the situation. Mm, okay, let's But go. the Gaza you're talking about, <laughs> it's in the Gaza that we know, <laughs> that no, no, in Jamaica. No. This is the real deal. This is the real Gaza. This is the real Gaza. Let them yeah, know yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. this is real. This ain't a vibes cartel yeah, thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it can be, you, you, can think <laughs> that it's the, you can think that it's vibes cartel because this is so far removed from anything that we experience. Right here in Anguilla, even in the Caribbean region, um, you know, the, the conflict that they're dealing with based on two very separate nations occupying a space in very contentious circumstances yeah. um, through 1980, 1967 and 1947 partition plans um set in place by the United Nations to Israel then declaring themselves a state in 1948 and then the the subsequent war with all the Arab countries surrounding Israel against Israel. So it's been, it's a very contentious region and just the week before I got there, um, there was a pretty bloody protest. Um, There was a a journalist who was half Palestinian, half American who was assassinated. And um, we went very close. Well, we didn't go into that particular area, but we were in all of those areas. We saw persons in in the flesh who we saw videos of being involved in in, in conflict between the uh, occupied settlers and um, the native Palestinians. It's a, a very conflict-ridden area. I saw a video... On, on your status, like I don't know if you ended up sharing with me because we we spoke about it. Mm-hmm. Where someone just walked up and was trying to, for the lack of a better word, forgive me, try and commandeer somebody else's house. They did. That's exactly. They literally walked yes. up and like I'm living here now, uh-huh. right yes. in the middle of this was no play. This was not being acted mm-hmm. out. That's what's happening. And I saw I saw that gentleman, like. Uh, seven days into the trip, I saw that gentleman walk right past us. Yeah. It's because part of the background to the conflict is that Israel claims that a number, that the land belongs to them biblically. Uh, yes. The, 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 the Jewish people who are settling there say that this is our biblical um, homeland. Mm-hmm. And so the Palestinians who are living there in the interim um, are saying, well, no, it belongs to us. <laughs> Pretty much. So when 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 Jewish remember the the Jewish people are coming from the Holocaust, from yeah. being expelled from Europe into Israel mm-hmm. to settle a, a homeland for themselves, um, and there are people there already. So that relationship is, uh, and and how they navigate that relationship is really the biggest challenge. And and I, and you've seen it. You see it everywhere. I mean, <laughs> one of the things that struck me is um, there could be the same circumstance Mm -hmm. on the Palestinian side and on the Israeli side. Mm -hmm. Same thing like a call that, you know, the Israeli bombers Mm -hmm. would call Palestinian homes five minutes before they bomb them, right? To tell them, get out, this place is about to be shelled. And on the Israeli side, when you ask them about the call, they're like, "We are the most moral police force." You know, this is this is a, a, a fun, This is part of us being um, a very moral army because we give you a warning that we're coming at you. We don't just shell you. Yeah. So the, it, it, they're two very pers- different perspectives to what they're doing because the Palestinians just see it as 
you know, you're you are you're destroying home. my home, you're destroying my land. They're like, well, we're, we're in war, out. and yeah. we told you to get out, so we didn't have to tell you to get out. Yeah, your life means something, is what they say. So, Ugh. you know, the conversation it, it it leads me to this question: um, What would you say was your biggest takeaway from from that trip? From because I'm gathering that this was about conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. How do you translate what you've gathered there into all contexts. Context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things I learned from that particular context, talking to Palestinians, talking to, to Israelis, is that when you have two different sets of priorities, it's very difficult to meet in the middle. The Palestinians' focus has been on resolving the Arab state for Palestinians. Mm-hmm. The Israeli focus has been resolving the economy for Israelis in Israel. Mm. That Those are two very different priorities. And mm-hmm. because those priorities are so vastly different, there is very little meeting in the middle. Okay. If, if from the public perspective, from the populist perspective in Israel, the Palestinian conflict was a general issue of importance to all um, Israeli citizens, mm-hmm. then there might be more efforts made on the political, uh, from the political perspective, in addressing it. Okay. Um, so it comes down to me about one about leadership really does play a massive role in the resolution of conflicts, and 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 secondly, that priorities matter because they set the course of how you how you you you. Um, you navigate certain spaces and what resources you put behind um, those priorities. Because it, in, in states, you are juggling resources, limited resources. Everybody is. I mean, Angola, in Angola's context, more than others. Yeah. Um, but you have to prioritize. And that's something that I've, I mean, taken here, taken here for instance. Yeah. You know, there is a, a, a vast need to do everything, mm-hmm. you know. But the reality is you only have very limited resources and you have to set a priority and say, I am going to sacrifice X, Y, and Z because I want to achieve this. You know, saying that we're going to jump a little further ahead of the conversation that I wanted to right now, but saying that, Mm -hmm. and since uh, my co-host, Glenniva, went there with conflict resolution, (laughs) um, recently Mm -hmm. on social media, there was an outcry for statements um, from the government um, when there's acts of violence and stuff. Um, we know, and it's been made clear that, you know, speaking too soon has an effect. Yeah. Um, there's something being worked on that should be unveiled, whereas there's a, a community message from government that speaks to where we want to go. But outside of that, you made motion to have a... Town Hall of Sorts. Tomorrow night at 6 p.m. All right. Well, this, will is, be, uh, this will be Tuesday. This right. is tomorrow, Tuesday at, at 6, 6 p.m. Tomorrow, this will right. be tonight at 6 p.m. Right, because right. this will be here tomorrow at Tuesday. Right. So at 6 p.m. tonight, let's mm-hmm. say that for those listening, there will be a town hall. Yes. What if we don't get the turnout that we want? What does that say about us and how we feel about the issue? I'm not putting you on the spot mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. because a lot of people would want to use a platform like Facebook yeah. and then not show up when it counts. Yeah. Is it, I, I don't mean to cut you off and, mm-hmm. and even preempt anything mm-hmm. I'm able to say. Is it access? Is it that some persons feel a little bit safer speaking in an online forum? And mm-hmm. given that you have all of these different things at play, I know that you are encouraging persons to physically come out mm-hmm. to the town hall but if I'm not able to mm-hmm. if I have to work if I have no one to stay with the children mm-hmm. um, is it going to be streamed is there some other avenue yeah. that persons can contribute um, I, I'm sure that we will provide another avenue for persons to, to participate um, but I'm also very cautious with how we engage with topics like this Right. Um, I have come to the realization that 
you know, we do have a little bit of a streak in us that wants to just punish and, 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 and use the hardest penalties available and tools available to us to, to get the job done. Um, and it's something that's been crossing my mind a lot recently because when I speak to persons um, about the situation, even in the schools, you know, the comment that really hit home to me is that what they are seeing is almost students coming to school feeling unloved. So the students mm. are acting out in school. So um, we would have we would have gone back three or four issues with the same thing. Yeah. And and saying the same thing and I don't want to get heated on the same thing yeah. because that's where it starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going I'm to let you finish, Minister, yeah. but I just want to remind people that this is not scripted. Mm-hmm. This is not rehearsed. But here you are reinforcing exactly what we touched on. Mm-hmm. You know, Gleniva said in one show, how many parents mm-hmm. literally just hold your child, hug them and tell them, I love you. You got some parents, some children that don't hear that a lot. No, we're not going down that emotional road today. But but it does go back to the conversation about mental health in Angola. My personal view is everybody needs mental health care in this country. (laughs) I think think we we acknowledge that what we had. I mean, there's there's a challenge. There's there's an inherent challenge of coming from a small island community like Angola and having to struggle all the time. Like, Angola is... Our, our, the fact of the matter is, and it's something that brings me back to the trip in Israel. Mm-hmm. Going in Israel and seeing what those people have developed with no resources. Now, I mean, this is not me taking particular sides on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. But specifically as it relates to what they have achieved with little to nothing. Their mm-hmm. symbol, the symbol of the Israeli people is a prickly pear. The fruit of a prickly pear. Our island on there. Okay. <laughs> the fruit of the prickly pear and the rationale behind it is to say, even from nothing, yeah. with little to no resources, we will still bear fruit. We will be innovative. And it's something that it comes back on me time and time again um, because I think that the thing that is crippling Anguilla and will continue to cripple Anguilla when we have persons who are in leadership positions or positions of influence when they do things with specific motives it just creates a culture of disunity and i think anguilla is is as much as i i want to to see how i can help and foster a culture of 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 community and unity i cannot do it by myself and the reality is that a lot of people do look to government to do the, 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 the bringing together of peoples, and I understand that. I know that they want to look to somebody, but it also is something that we have to do individually as persons. We have to take the mantle upon ourselves. We have to say, I am going to sacrifice time from doing things that I like to doing things to build my community. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, again, when I looked at Israel, mm. when I looked at the fact that these people had little to no resources and what they have done Mm -hmm. it's all because based on what happened in the holocaust they said the single minded focus with which which they will pursue things is with unity and I I keep when I look at our communities and I'm not going to get into what you know black people and how we fight each other down because that's an age can, old you know. discussion you can no no it's an age old discussion it, it is but but. but 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 I mean at the end of the day you have to be you have to look at what you spend your energy on right you know mm-hmm. As a community, they decided they wanted to spend the energy on building each other. They have a whole system called a kibbutz in Israel where they live together as groups. Purchasing power, they have more purchasing power because Don't they buy that. everything in, st- in bulk. Don't do that. They buy what? You can't be touching those things. I'm going to touch on it just to make the point. Yeah, I you know you're going to make the point, but then I'm going to go down the road. No, you're not. No, you're, you're, you're not going to go down the road. We're going to keep you you're off. Gonna just, <laughs> you're just going to listen. But I, I make the point to say, we, we yearn as a community 
for community living, mm-hmm. but we pursue individualistic lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And when when you when this is when this becomes more and more commonplace, which is what I see, mm-hmm. because volunteering is non-existent in Angola, mm-hmm. and everywhere else in the world, volunteering is you the backbone. <laughs> volunteering is the backbone upon which societies are built mm. and, and 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 that's why I'm very defensive of volunteers myself because I, 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 I see people critiquing and I'm like please give up your time and help mm-hmm. because uh, and, and it goes maybe ties into education in this way because I have spoken about it and it's still something I intend to pursue oh. to make volunteering a part of either the graduation policy mm-hmm. or a part of the curriculum because there is no other way we can't to be honest it is foolhardy to think that I alone would be able to get the community to think I'm going to just volunteer there are people who volunteer yes Mm -hmm. but to get the vast majority of people to see volunteering as inherent to the way they live it's foolhardy for me to think that I alone will do it but I want I want my people to do it but the 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 most I guess the 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 easiest way is through our children yeah. because mm-hmm. they, they, they I, and I, uh, most people who I talk to who are older than me, they'll say the 1967 revolution, something changed in Anguilla. People started, you know, breaking away at each other, children disrespecting adults, adults disrespecting each other. It, they, this is, these are some of the conversations I've heard. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And so they say that the fabric of the society changed since 1967, 1968. Hmm. So, I, I mean, I still, hold very strongly to the to the viewpoint that volunteering volunteering can help us to see each other as brothers and sisters and not mm-hmm. as I guess competition and adversaries. So Minister. I'll continue to pursue Minister, that. I hope this will be part of the curriculum from September. <laughs> from our levels we tried and we've seen the success of something similar mm-hmm. at the Alan Allison Richardson private school I mean primary mm-hmm. school um, I that, was that, not, that was not a slip <laughs> of the tongue I say that all the time because our, our core of parents we instill that in our children you understand and I know our children coming from that institution kind of struggled going into the campus B. Some of them that went straight there because they did not understand like how people operate. They didn't, they didn't get it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are little things that you can do. I am hoping that from... I, you can't graduate in St. Thomas without com- completing some community service hours. I ought to be there. I can't, I, like, I can't, come on. Why, I can't, why is that I can't, something as simple as that not done yeah. here? I can, I can speak personally to this matter. I think... I may have had this conversation with you, Minister, privately. Um, it's been years, and we're hopefully we can have the community planner on um, soon. sometime soon. And this is an, an initiative that I went to her with. Mm-hmm. I know she took she's it very, further. She's, she's very excited about it. She wanted to happen. There was there was some pushback, and again, I there agree, is pushback. I agree that in order for us to build that sense of community that sense of civic pride because I think that is missing within our community as well. That civic pride, that national pride because if you hold national pride, you don't want to see your island being torn apart. No. And it, so it, it, it's and hard rooted in, it, it's rooted in that and I, I always say the one thing that I remember and when the turtle dove became the National Board of Anguilla. Mm-hmm. What did they do? They ran a campaign in the schools. Mm-hmm. Zeneda Orita, the Board, the Board of, of Anguilla, Anguilla, that song, so that our parents could stop eating the national the, 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 hey. the, the turtle dove. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it, it started somewhere because then you, you were telling your parents, no, you can't knock down the turtle dove. I can't, I can't drive and hit one because, mm-hmm. you know, it's I a mean, national... I mean, behave like they own the road. They don't play chicken with your vehicle, no. But, but, that's, that's, but that's because they don't know that the, they yeah, themselves the don't know board. that they are the national board. <laughs> but it started with children telling their parents, no, you can't do this. You can't kill the turtle dove. Because, uh, again, we recognize that a lot of campaigns, if you really want it, instituted you listen, with the children. I, I, I will say something here just because um, it's something that my friend and I were discussing. And I know this is on a ministerial level, and I'll take it back to that. But mm-hmm. I, I want to say it because there... She said to me, in Anguilla, 
there is a culture of no accountability. Behave yourself, Minister. <laughs> You're gonna get us started. No, I'm I'm saying this because and it's it comes down it's from the political level uh-huh. down. And I again my trip in Israel was really formative for me because it showed me that when even leaders don't take accountability, it makes it very difficult for you to be flexible, uh-huh. for you to engender trust, for you to inspire, uh-huh. and for you to be innovative. Because there is this thing in Angola where you can't admit that you are wrong. Right. You can't admit that what you were doing isn't the, it wasn't the, 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 the best of the best. Um, because there's a lot of pride structured around um, ourselves, this this failure of failing, this failure of being perceived to have failed. And it really, to me, is destroying us as a people. Mm-hmm. I have made attempts time and time again, even since I got elected and coming forward, every time I feel like I needed to take account, I took account. And, and, and that was to say to people, Whoever you are following me next, whoever is coming next into the ministry or mm. coming next into government, I want you to also be able to take account accountability. Because mm-hmm. if you are not able to take accountability, then the problem will subsist. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a lot of the reason why we are where we are as a country is because nobody takes accountability. Everybody wants to blame somebody. Everybody wants a finger point. Yeah. And... That's on all it's levels. On all mm-hmm. levels, and that's why I'm saying it's not just at the political level, yeah. it's all the way down mm-hmm. to the bottom. Everywhere. And and even even with our children, which is something I'm going back to, even with our children. Um it's always somebody else part. It you, you as as a as a education system, we are attempting to build in our in our children certain skills. Mm-hmm. Right? We want them to have the six Cs. We want them to be creative be able to communicate, to have critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we want them to have character. Mm-hmm. We want them to be able to collaborate. Mm-hmm. And we want them... I can't remember the last C. C. Mm-hmm. There is some, there's another C, but I believe... Um, what's it? This is a long pause. I'm going to get back to the last C. But in order to do things that create character... You know how you create character? You gotta be accountable. You As a, if you if, if you if you don't allow your children to take accountability, to be able to deflect, then they're going to grow into adults who don't take accountability. Man, and I, I we gonna we gonna we gonna get into something else, but I just have to say this here. I I remember back in the day. Listen, Loretta Ayola Connor is my mother. Everybody know her as Etta. <laughs> You let me get lashes in school for anything. I get lashes when I come home too. Correct. Okay, we ain't beaten. We're not beaten anymore. <laughs> We're not you, talking about beating. We, you, you let anybody have to tell Etta that Ivan passed him and he ain't say good afternoon. Mm-hmm. You going back up the road to go say good afternoon? Mm-hmm. My mother, my mother, and I, I just tell people this, they think it's a joke. In Valley Primary School, my mother, my mother was a stickler. My mother went in front of the assembly, said, excuse me, she's standing. She said, teacher, I'm sorry, came for mm-hmm. Laurie. She did not make her bed this morning. My mother came to the school to carry my sister back home to make her bed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I say all of that to say accountability again. Mm-hmm. It's the behaviors that we train our children to know that they got to see things through. You know, your word is your bond. Listen here, you have to be hospitable to people. You have to know that you 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 only go so far because that's where your dollar will take you or whatever. You can't really... Like, a lot of this stuff has gone out of our, our society. But I mean, our grandparents are also, for the most part, out of the picture now. That's, well, that's where true. we've gotten a lot of that, mm-hmm. those values from. I mean, no fault to our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but grandparents they grew up in a different age the kids nowadays i don't know how many of them have like the older generation grandparents around them who you know they're very much about they, they while grandparents love you yeah, they strict. still keep you accountable and yeah. i mean this 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 goes into something in terms of of education 
which you know is there's a, a a push internationally in education which talks about something called the desirable difficulty you know mm-hmm. and when they talk about desirable difficulty they say you have to challenge children to want more for themselves mm-hmm. and I say that because if you have a child in a room with a bunch of play box and you play play blocks mm-hmm. and there's a, something he has to solve something the child would have to solve the first time the child attempts it, might not solve it. Second right. time, might not solve it. Three days later, the child, he might start seeing a picture, a picture coming together. Mm. But we're living in a world where it's instant gratification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to, to, to um, almost counteract that yeah. feeling of needing all the time to have instant gratification you need to be able to enjoy the process of learning and understanding yes. something and um, from from myself you know it's not necessarily the way we are taught in this education system because it's very content heavy it pushes it's like content 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 you need to finish this 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 yeah. these are the these are the subjects coming up on on the CXC examination which is why I am and continue to be a very big advocate. I mean, CXE hates when I come into those meetings because I keep saying to them, and I say to my, the ministers across the region, because the ministers across the regions are the ones who set CXE's tone, set what CXE's expected to deliver as its mandate. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, at the end of the day, if we are just churning out people mm-hmm. who know content rather mm-hmm. than churning out um, um global citizens Mm -hmm. then we are already failing at our jobs Mm -hmm. because our job is to teach children to love to learn and you're not even giving teachers the ability to teach children to love to learn if you're just telling teachers just finish the content just finish the syllabus it's 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 against a lot of what modern teaching methodology is actually asking of us I have to go to the OECS Ministers of Education meeting on the 6th of July. And, I mean, I told Dr. Didicus Jules, you know, you, you're going to have to pay, be wary of me because I'm, I'm coming at everybody. Right. Because at the end of the day, these are our children. Everybody yeah. talks about the future, the future. And I'm like, education in Angola, although it's not different to education anywhere else in the region, we have to be able to break the mold. The IB system, the systems we see in New Zealand... In Singapore, in Finland, <laughs> the systems we see there mm-hmm. are as a result of people understanding that something is not working with our traditional systems. And, and it's not to say that something is not working with the people. The system is organized in a way that d- doesn't give people the ability to even be creative. Do you, do you think that children, children today learn differently? I, I think not necessarily that they learn differently. I just think that the means of engaging them is different. Mm. I think the means of engaging them is different because children are more disengaged and it's due to a various number of factors, to be honest. But mm. I think that they're more disengaged today than they were Back years then. ago. But 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 this is a slow burn. The education has been on this this Ferris wheel for the last 20 years. I like that term, slow burn. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you because I do have some limited experience with the IB system. And it is different, mm. you know. And and when I when I say that, um, a lot of people come at my neck because they go, "Oh, nothing is wrong with our public system." They think so. And uh, we, we <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I there, there is so there is so much that I can say. No, and, say. And and this you got to and him. say. Okay, Ivan. Um, I think it was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, that I led a forum on education, looking at our education system, where we are now, mm-hmm. where we want, where we want to go, and COVID interrupted a little bit of that, and yeah. wanting to do a follow up. But now that I have the minister here, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to see because it showed up on my Facebook timeline mm-hmm. recently, and I'm going, okay, I need to engage the mm-hmm. minister, and hopefully this time we can have persons from the education department, from the Ministry of Education who are willing to engage with private citizens wanting... Yes. Because I think um, 
Mr. Romney, when he was here and he spoke about different stakeholders and that education isn't Very just complex. the ministry, it isn't just the department, it mm-hmm. isn't just the teachers, it mm-hmm. takes, it's a trifecta. I think it's the student, the teacher, the ministry. It's the students, the teacher, the parents, the ministry, the community. Yeah, so it's more than a trifecta. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's a round big globe. <laughs> and so what my intention was to really have all persons coming together and being able to dissect where we want to go mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. I know there was some pushback. And so I think now is the time or the time is... The time well, it's, is part the time our, is right. it's part of our um, culture, uh, our plan to have um, annual education forums. So we we obviously there have been a number of challenges in the last two years which yes. would have prevented what us from challenges. More challenges, actually. <laughs> <laughs> challenges. Um, but it is something that we are looking forward to, to having and hosting. Um, in addition to the task forces which are due to, to to take off very soon. We've had some delays as a result of some emergency issues, but I'm very excited about the task forces. Remind us of those task forces. I know Mr. Romney, he would have given yeah. us a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Remind us, if you can, of So we those. have our curriculum review task force. We have our teacher recruitment um, task force. We have our methodologies and assessment task force. Um, and then we have leadership and administration task force. And those task forces are meant to debrief, you know, things about, let's just say, curriculum. We're looking at a holistic, a realistic, and a local curriculum, one that looks at our context because, and a global context, both local and global, but we want to feel the global context within our curriculum. Um, And when we look at teacher recruitment, uh, we're looking at how do we interact with the public administration, how do we find a better model for which we can really um, have impact within the teaching service, both for teacher training and teacher recruitment. Uh, we look at methodologies um, and assessments. We look at what are the pedagogical tools that we use um, to to engage students. What are the best practices? Um, what what is the purpose of assessments? And maybe I want to stick a pin here to talk about assessments because. Um, I understand the need for assessments. Mm-hmm. I also, I also say um, to to a number of persons who, who who talk about assessments is that assessments are a tool. They're a tool to then use to inform your strategy going forward towards individual children. Stop right there for a minute, because I've often wondered. We go through all this testing an assessment for these children but I I felt that is just an assessment of have you covered the content in a box did you I know a lot of children who study and can pass mm-hmm. application is a different story mm-hmm. interpretation of concepts and context non-existent mm-hmm. But even more so, I'll I'll dig a little bit deeper, and I think this is where the minister was going. So you assess, and then what? Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's, You you do the assessment, and... Okay, so you have a child that doesn't do so well on the assessment, but what do you do with that? Yes. You continue to just let them continue going through the school system? Yeah. What what happens? So, (laughs) I mean, uh, to just to bring this to a full, I mean, there's a a teacher, uh, Mr. Ruan. He, He always... Even from the first time we started talking about it, it was like, there needs to be something after a third grade and a third form to break the pattern of just simply coasting through the system. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we are looking at closely to see how we can implement. Because <clears throat> I take it from two perspectives here. Um, if the assessment isn't used to change the strategy, and, and this partially has happened because of the focus on just pushing the syllabus and pushing content years, over years, years. Um, you're not actually looking, you don't actually have the time 
to mm-hmm. sit down and be like, okay, how do I then change my strategy towards this child? Because it is obvious that the strategies I've been using thus far may not have been as successful or aren't reaching, right. or there may be some other underlying concern, like the child's well-being, because right. that's, that's, those are a lot of the concerns that come through the school. Um, and then from the second perspective, you're looking at not only our English-speaking students, but our Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. And when they come into this, the school system, a lot of them <clears throat> aren't quite able to, to, to assimilate and integ- in, um, integrate as seamlessly because their command of the language is not at the level yet of, of where they're entering the school system. So it's, it's, it, there are two ways of looking at, you know, how do we, how do we create that environment for our both for our students and our teachers to actually mm-hmm. use that information in a way that helps and then how do we um, look at how do we provide a, a, a proper entryway for our Spanish speaking students so that they get into the system and they're not you know they, they're not isolated you don't have that many Spanish speaking teachers in the school so that's an inherent constraint um, and and so from that perspective you know, we are creating the ESL English as a second language um, center costing, and a set, because we're looking to see how we can implement it, um, and also in the task force that's looking at assessment. What I referred to just now is also going to be focused on. I would I would often. Wonder how these children even fail with testing when everything. Just the other day, um, they've been asking to make the the written tests in Spanish. We have a large and growing we Spanish do. community, and they're not Spaniards as we saw. Was the term I, I would want to use? They're, they're from Sp- the Dominican. Republic. They're from the Dominican Republic, and a lot of them are cousins. Dominican, and some aren't from the Dominican. Some are from here. Mm-hmm. Some are from here, but but they're Spanish speaking. And they're Spanish speaking. The reason the reason I say that is because we have a number Cubans. I think of Cubans, Venezuelans, uh-huh. and so to pigeonhole them all as one. I but think you know, it's it's. I mean, that's like <laughs> the general public. But, yes, yeah. and, and I, I I do have a question because when we speak of English as a second language, and I know our focus is because it's not we just do on Spanish speaking. Okay, because we do have. Yes, the the major population may be our Spanish-speaking students, but how do we deal with students who are coming in speaking Mandarin and mm-hmm. other um, Chinese languages? Yes, I mean, I, I agree. That's another thing that we have to look at. I do say to, I always say to, to um, even Brent brought that up to me when he was talking about the ESL Center the other day. And in the back of my mind, while I was talking to him, I was saying, you know, one of the things we have to look at is that we also have some inherent constraints in terms of meeting the needs of everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And those, those are just resource resource reality needs. Right. Um, so to be able to bring in a, a Mandarin-speaking teacher, a Mandarin-to-English-speaking teacher, it's the, you're going to have to always have to justify it mm-hmm. in comparison to something else. Right. Um, I do think that there are other methodologies. Technology is advanced significantly, <laughs> and, and we can look at technology to see how we can bridge that divide. Mm-hmm. So, there, I mean, again, if there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> All right. So let me, let me um, dovetail a little bit into just some changes that we would have seen. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot happening. I, I heard you say it on a, on a radio broadcast recently. You said it in conversation. Social development and education is one of those ministries that you don't see much tangible things right away. But there's a lot that has gone in that will change the fabric of our society and our outlook going forward Uh for generations and decades to come. An important, I can't downplay it, not Uh because I wear dreads, Uh not because I subscribe to Rastafari, not that stuff, but simply because I never quite understood what a child's here has to mm. do with them learning or their ability to learn. But we place all this emphasis. I understand looking neat. I understand you're wearing the uniform, which is not yours. This is a school. I understand representation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how, how, how are we <clears throat> okay with 
boxing in someone mm. to say you have to provide reference of religious reason mm. to wear your hair a certain way for all these years. Yeah. I mean, as I said in our press conference, because I was just... How how do you think it looks to students for me as the Minister of Education to have dreadlocks? And if you <laughs> want to wear dreadlocks, you have to say you have to lie and say, I am religiously a Rastafarian. It's not true. Yeah. But I my my whole perspective on this matter is we are a predominantly black nation. Mm-hmm. It I, this is this is separate and apart from from issues um, as related to dyeing your hair or you know kids because mm-hmm. kids are kids want to experiment in their hair. But I say like okay, if kids want to experiment to that extent, let them do it during summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but coming from the perspective of a predominantly black nation that knows mm-hmm. the difficulty of dealing with black hair. And this is why I keep saying there seems to be a disconnect to me when we're talking about about these issues because you as a black person went through sitting in your between your auntie or your mother's lap mm-hmm. um, legs and getting your hair yanked out from root <laughs> to tip or getting a hot comb pulled through mm-hmm. your hair and knowing the pain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Knowing the pain that that caused and knowing that there was a Within that system, although our parents and our grandparents would may, may have loved themselves eternally, there was historically an element of anti-blackness in the movement for straightening your hair, yes. for hot combing and ironing your hair. Yes. It was the black black hair is too difficult to deal with and it's not European enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, from that perspective, which anchors my belief as it relates to the, the hair policy... Mm-hmm. When you, when you, and it's separate apart from issues of grooming, which is tidiness, Mm -hmm. cleanliness, Mm -hmm. tidiness and cleanliness. What substantively is it that you are trying to achieve? Because there's always a rationale for a rule, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I really try to embody like the halo policy in in the UK um, because if you want to have an enabling environment, then these are some of the things you have to consider. I must put a caveat here because I went in a, I went to this into the school and I spoke to a number of um students and, and this is something um I spoke to a number of students and I spoke to a number of teachers. And a number of the teachers said, you know, kids are using their hair to cover their ears, you know. And keep their their AirPods in their ears, right? Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, it's, okay, there is a behavior that's happening here, Mm -hmm. right? That needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But that is separate and apart from the issue of hair. Mm -hmm. Because if I have natural hair and I have my hair in plaits, as as a female... So it's separate and apart Mm -hmm. from those two issues. There, there, There may be some issues, but... The, we we can't con- we we need to pause on conflating the two issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so from again, I felt very strongly. I should not have to li- encourage children to lie to justify wearing their hair in a specific manner. Um, I know the argument. You give children an inch, they take a mile. I know the argument. I've heard it. I see it. I give Anguillians an inch, them take. I you've been through this argument I mean I, I it's interesting I had some conversations with some kids on the park and they're like well te- you know teacher I'm calling me teacher now so I know I reach up there they do that too <laughs> um, yes. oh my they God. say but teacher um, why can't I dye my hair I said darling dye your hair during summer mm. <laughs> dye your hair during summer because at the end of the day we also have to be able to ensure that our children understand because mm-hmm. a lot of them are asking why one rule for us and not the same for teachers. Mm. And, um, and, and that's, that is a, 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 an argument I hear, but undressing that argument mm-hmm. requires a level of, of understanding because mm-hmm. you're a teacher. A teacher is an adult. Yeah. You are a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not reinforcing authority tropes, but I'm mm-hmm. saying you don't just... I, I, I'm I a 29-year-old woman who drives, pays bills, etc., etc., etc. 
you have your own autonomy. You are able to express yourself as a child, but in a manner as a child. When you when you are an adult, when you're 18, you're able to do whatever you like. When you're living in your mother's house, you don't tell your mother, oh, how come you get to go to um, better to better band? Or how come you get to go to the carnival band clash mm. 2022 and I don't get to go? <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't, there is, I, 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 I hear the kids, but obviously there's something, they're going to push the envelope because they can. I don't, I don't agree with all of those arguments. Yeah. I don't. And I know a lot of people think that I just go with everything the young, the young, young people say. Yeah. Um, there is a, a, a element of balance to be had in those conversations. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring a young person's argument into this conversation <laughs> because because I have I, I have had this discussion and I, I for the past two years my daughter attends private school mm-hmm. she has not worn a skirt to school she is going to transition into mm-hmm. LHCS come September and her biggest gripe is this girl. is can I not wear a pants. She she's like, what does the skirt provide for me, and that her pants doesn't? She said, if as, as as far as I'm concerned, if you're thinking modesty, then the pants is the better thing for me. If you're thinking exposing myself, then a pants is better than a skirt. And I said, but that's the uniform. And so I, I've said to her, I need you to write a letter mm-hmm. outlining your argument for mm-hmm. why you feel. <laughs> You should be allowed so, to wear a pants so, so that you can submit it to the bishop. So, Minister, I'm telling you from now. Okay. So, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold but on. Put me on a piece and keys. Thank you. I appreciate that. that, that that's, this try belongs to you, right? What are you trying to do? Are you going to challenge that child to write a letter to create an argument? <laughs> I hope you're ready because she's going to CC you. That's what's going to happen. She's going to CC you. No, I mean, these are, these are also these are conversations that are going to happen more and more mm-hmm. in our uh-huh. societies. And and, and and you know you get you will get pushback there is no two ways about it mm-hmm. it is always for me what is the rationale behind the rule how do you justify the rationale and is this kid appropriate behavior that's mm-hmm. that's how those are the things that I consider when mm-hmm. making decisions in relation to these policies um, and, and and other people may want to consider other factors fair enough these are the ones that I consider. I think that they're an appropriate set of considerations. I do, I, I do um, engage, uh, try as much as possible to engage the entire ministry and department in these decisions. But you do understand that it's three hundred and forty something personnel. So getting consultation in in my ministry alone is a very tedious and long process which Mm -hmm. is why the education management information system is going to be so important when it's rolled out Mm -hmm. because we need to have easier ways of communicating to parents about the activities of their children among each other about things that are being uh, asked um, and to feed up to external and international educational bodies so we can see we have a data driven policy based on this that and the other excellent excellent so I'm looking at the time go ahead and I'm thinking Ivan mm-hmm. with your leave and mm-hmm. permission you minister um, there's a topic mm-hmm. that we want to get to but I'd like to shelve it okay simply because I think once we start to get into that topic mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not we're not gonna we, get we, we cannot do that topic justice, justice in, in the amount of time minutes, yeah. and so this is now an open invitation that we would like to have you back mm-hmm. to speak specifically to where we are at the with the decriminalization of yeah. marijuana. Yes. I've got a nice, so, I got an update for you. So can you give us a brief update no. and then we come back? No, no. we're going to wait until... You have to wait. Okay. Oh, so, oh, so, yeah, so, no ah, again. Ah, but <laughs> the, re- the reason I wanted to shelve it and use these last few minutes was uh. because the minister touched on something a little while ago and Social development, mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. but under social development is culture. Mm-hmm. We are heading into carnival, carnival, our summer festival. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us? We've I not had a you? summer festival for a couple yes. of years. Yes, <laughs> um, I know that everybody is looking forward to looking forward to the schedule committee. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it is, and, and it has been the way that the Carnival Scheduling Committee and, and the Carnival in general has been organized for a number of years. This is obviously the first time in a while, but the Carnival Committee, once, once composed, has the authority to make decisions in respect of Carnival. So a lot of people think that Deanne is behind the scenes pulling Carnival. It is not Deanne behind the scenes pulling Carnival. It is your Carnival committee members mm -hmm. who are responsible for Carnival. So we do have Carnival 2022 on board. It's happening. Yes. I know that you might not think it's happening because you haven't seen anything yet, but... So we, we just need to put it out there for the it's, people. It's, it's happening. It's happening, yes. And when we say Carnival 2022, Summer Festival. Summer Festival. 2022 is happening. We're not just speaking... The private shows, because we do yeah. know that there are a number of private shows. Ivan, we're going to speak about one of those after. Um, mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not speaking just about the private shows. We can look forward to a Prince and Princess, a Queen Show, a Talented Teen, a mm -hmm. um, Calypso the show, shows. the cultural shows, yes. the band clashes. Yes. Which is what we want. I mean, we want people to come out and support the cultural components of our shows as well. Mm -hmm. um, I know that a lot of people would... I mean, the young people want to go to the show shows, the private shows, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's also important for us to to look at, you know, Calypso. Mm -hmm. Calypso has been a mainstay in our mm -hmm. carnival schedule for such a long time. It's such an important part of our culture. It's such, such an important thing that makes us unique to the world right. um, as, as, as a music type, as a genre, as a means of social commentary. Um, Calypso show was always a hit. It always was a hit. I mean, I there were a couple of years that we've seen um, some movement in terms of people um, coming into the village to, for the show, but the hope is that it can continue to grow. Um, so you have uh, a talented teen and pageantry. So <laughs> as, as a former um, a Miss Anguilla contestant, a Miss Anguilla winner, um, it's so modest. I am so I'm modest. Contested. I am. <laughs> you know. You take the crown. Um, you know, it, from my mind and from my perspective, pageantry has been really important um, in my personal development. And I keep telling young women, if you want to join a pageant and your goal is just winning, you're gonna miss out on all of the lessons you need to learn. Mm. If you if you're joining a pageant to develop your confidence, to develop your ability to stand in front of people and mm -hmm. you know, get aggressive, then you should you should give it your best shot. Perfect. Okay. Minister, um, we have so much more to go, but we are mindful of the time, so mm -hmm. we wanna say thank you mm -hmm. for um, being here with us on Progress Report. I think we got quite a bit to chew on. It was an excellent appetizer. Mm -hmm. I know we have not delved into at least four to six of the points you wanted to touch today. I know. We're um, just chatting. Yeah, but that's what it is. It's updates and conversations from the Government Information Service. I am happy for your experiences and that we can, as a community, hear from you and, and live through those and see how we can better ourselves. So... That being said, I just want to say thank you for being here with us on Progress Report. Anybody have anything else to say? Yeah, I, I guess we allow the minister a moment to kind of wrap up anything that mm -hmm. you feel as pressing that you'd like to see um, and definitely extending that invitation to persons. Yeah, I definitely want to extend the invitation to persons tonight mm -hmm. <laughs> at 6 p.m. to meet me at the Campus V Auditorium um, to discuss the issues with violence in our community. Um, specifically as it relates to the school. Um, I know that for a lot of us, dealing with issues of violence would not be common because they're not necessarily something that happens in everybody's household, but it is a community-wide issue. It's it's talking about how we live safely within this island that we call paradise. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I really do also encourage persons to really get involved in more community-based events, community-based activities, to volunteer your time. Because when you think about what the meaning of life is it's how you give to others it's public service um, and and I really would love to see Anguilla as a more voluntary voluntary based community voluntary based island I want to see the same spirit that we had after Hurricane Irma um, I, I feel like I feel like a very obvious missing feeling of that that community spirit and camaraderie and I, I think it's um a, a sad testament that we only feel that after catastrophe. 
So I really do want to bring our community together because I think it's an important for us to survive as a nation. All right. That being said, I totally endorse that. I am looking forward to our next conversation. This was a little bit more relaxed today. We almost got it revved up a bit. Thank you for pulling me back, Lanira, uh, because you know where I stand on some issues. But this has been great. I think our listening audience will appreciate this, and we look forward to hearing from you again. How soon will you be back? Once we call? Once you call me. Say yes. Don't say nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> All right.